Um, no, it's really good to have you here with us this morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors. If you're new around here, you've entered right into the middle of a really fun season for us. We have a journey through the book of Jonah and a series where we're, we've invited the kids with us in for the entire message. We're calling this series Overboard, and it's been a lot of fun. And just to kind of go back to the question, Jonah was a poor prophet from Israel. False. Jonah was a wealthy prophet from Israel. If you weren't here last week, let this be a lesson to you. Don't miss church. Yep. All right. Good. Thanks, Timmy. Okay. Uh, today we are on Act 3 of Jonah, which is pretty much Chapter 2. So Act 1, Jonah runs. Act 2, Jonah sails. Act 3, Jonah swallowed. You're right. Okay, here we go. Rapid, rapid fire review. Uh, so far, Jonah was a prophet in Israel. He gets word from God to go to Nineveh and preach, preach to his nation's worst enemy, salvation and grace. So instead of obeying God, instead of going, Jonah runs to Joppa. He boards a ship to Tarshish, and while sailing to Tarshish, God sends a storm. Jonah's sailing mates panic. They start to throw cargo over the ship, and finally they cast lots. They throw dice to see whose fault the storm is, and the lots point to Jonah. So Jonah tells him, yeah, it's my fault. I'm running away from God. I'm in rebellion. And if you guys want the storm to stop, you should probably just toss me overboard into the sea. And so after much angst, the sailors agree and they do just that. They throw Jonah into the raging sea. And then, just as he promised, suddenly the sea grows calm. And this is where we left off and where we pick up the story today. Things are not looking good for Jonah. Jonah has been cast overboard in the middle of the sea. He has no raft. He has no life jacket, no flotation device. The guy doesn't even have an airplane seat cushion to hold on to. So it's all but certain at this point that he's doomed, that Jonah is going to drown. Jonah chapter 1, the very last verse, that's where we'll, where we'll begin, and the title for the message this morning is, When Your Life Gets Off Track, because Jonah's life is a bit off track, and sometimes our lives get off track, and so this story and the Word of God will have something to say, I think, to each one of us today. When your life gets off track. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. See, Act 3 of Jonah's saga begins with these words. Now the Lord. Now the Lord. You see, up to this point, Jonah has been doing his own thing. He's been calling his own shots, and he's been deciding for himself where and when and what he will do. You want me to preach, Jonah says to God? Well, I'm going on vacation. You say go to Nineveh, I'm heading to Tarshish. You say, what, turn around? Nah, just toss me into the sea. See, at every turn up to this point, Jonah has been going his own way. But now the Lord, now the Lord will have his way with Jonah. 
Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Now if we look closely at that sentence, there's something that we might miss, but the original readers would have grasped it because in Hebrew, that word provided is actually an interesting word. It's a governing word. It's a word that was most often used by a king if he was going to send out an ambassador or a messenger. It literally means appointed or commissioned. And the word picture being painted here really clearly is that God is the king and he says to this fish, hey fish, I'm sending you, I'm appointing you, I'm commissioning you to go and pick up Jonah. Just like the video said, right? That thing was actually pretty accurate. Um, Directions will be given on a need-to-know basis. And here's an important point. Swallow, don't chew. (laughs) I'll tell you where to drop him off later. So God appoints this fish. And then it's also important for us to know something else that's happening in the story, the way the author tells it. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Luke pointed out to us that there's a word that runs all throughout Jonah. And it's a word used time and time again. It's the word gadol. Turn to your neighbor and say gadol. That's a Hebrew word. And it's a Hebrew word that literally means big or large or huge or powerful or important. Its basic definition is probably the word great. And there are so many things throughout the story of Jonah up to this point that have been described as as great, as gadol. And they sort of build on each other. First, God sends a great wind. Then there's a great storm. So the sailors are suddenly greatly frightened. All the same word. And in our final verse from last week, all this results in the sailors having great faith great awe and reverence and great fear for God, but not Jonah. You see, all this greatness hasn't really impacted him at all. When we left him last week in the middle of the storm, Jonah was still not impressed. He was still not moved by the utter and complete greatness of the one true God. And let me just stop real quick and ask you a question. Do you know anyone like that? Do you know anyone who, even when God is beating down the door of their life with storms and difficulty and distress, they still won't surrender? They still refuse to give up. Maybe that person this morning is you. Maybe, if you're honest and you take a closer look, maybe there's an area of your life where God has tried time and time and time again to get your attention but you just refuse to listen. You just won't change. Well, if that is you, then you have something in common with Jonah because that's him. He's that stubborn. And so now God decides to take things up a notch, and here comes what? A great fish. A huge fish. A gadol fish. The most, emo- the most enormous message from God yet. And here's lesson number one. When your life gets off track, God will often do what he must to get your attention. When your life gets off track, God will often do what he must to get your attention. Friends, some of you need to hear that today. 
Some of you are here this morning and it's kid-friendly and it's Kahoot questions and it's a lot of fun, but this is a truth that the Holy Spirit wants to speak into your life. Some of you are off track. You're off track financially. You're off track maritally. You're off track relationally with a family member or friend or coworker. You're off track in a habit or behavior that's leading you away from God's plan for your life. You're off track in terms of your daily relationship and connection with Jesus. You're off track in the way that you're stewarding your gifts and talents and resources and using them. You're off track in your priorities. Some of you are here this morning and your life has shifted, maybe a lot, maybe just a little, and you are off track and here's what you need to know. God wants to get you back on track and he will do what he needs to do. He will provide you opportunities to right the ship. He will commission chances for you. And some of those chances may look a lot like an orca, or they may feel that way. And so here's my encouragement. When God provides you opportunities, when he wakes you up to the fact that you're going the wrong way, take advantage of those chances Maybe this message this morning is one of those moments and already the Holy Spirit is highlighting in your mind and heart an area where your life is not right, where you are headed the wrong direction, where you are off track and God is saying to you even now, let's get back on track together. When your life is off track, God will often do what he must to get your attention. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish Three days and three nights. Okay, I want, to ask for you, I want to ask you to do something for me here this morning. I want to ask you to pretend for a minute that you have never heard this story before. Some of you in here may have not have heard the story. This will be easy for you. Most of us in here have heard this story before. And I want to ask you to do your very best right now to, to listen with fresh ears, to pretend as if this is the very first time you're hearing the story of Jonah. Okay, here we go. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Wow. Here's the question. Does that seem normal? <laughs> Does this seem logical? Does it seem in any way possible that a human being could be swallowed by and live in the belly of a giant fish for three days? Think about that for a second before you answer. Let that question just sort of simmer in your mind. Because I want to pause for a moment and talk about something that is, I believe, very significant to the message of Jonah and also to the credibility of not only this story, but of the entire Bible. You see, a lot of times, smart, thoughtful, intelligent, scientific-minded people, I consider myself to be one of those. I have my undergrad in physics, and so I'm trained to think that way, <laughs> and that's good and bad. Um, Sometimes, though, when people like this think through this story, they will in private, later, after the service, or in the office, or through an email, say something to me like this. Pastor Dave, 
I don't know if it's okay to say this in a church or not, but I'm not sure I can fully buy the idea of a fish swallowing a guy whole and then having him live inside the fish's belly for three days underwater. I want to believe the Bible, but it's kind of hard for me to believe that this really happened. Can you help me? Anyone ever have thoughts like this? Anyone ever wondered if this story is really possible? Mass confession. Some of you are wondering if it's safe to raise your hand. Okay. The first thing I want to say is this. It is safe to raise your hand. It is okay to ask questions like this. It is okay to say openly and honestly, I am struggling to believe this story. Friends, Hear me on this. We do not want to be a church where people are encouraged to pretend to believe things that deep down they really don't. We do not want to be the kind of church where when we are all together, people feel like they just have to go through the motions of faith just to fit in, just to be accepted, just so they won't be reprimanded. Instead, instead, we long to be and want to be a community where questions and challenge and doubt and struggle is okay because guess what? It's part of faith development. It's part of finding truth. It's part of spiritual growth. And most importantly, it's part of learning to trust and believe in the authority and authenticity of the scriptures. I do not like it and I don't believe God does either when people say or do or act a certain way because the pastor is around. That drives me nuts. Just be yourself. Or it's because I act this way because it's what I'm supposed to say in church. You know, I can remember when I was a kid in church and we went through the book of Jonah when I was in middle school. And and when we talked about the book of Jonah, there were all these rumors circulating amongst the youth group, all this talk amongst my peers about a fish that scientists had discovered where a person could actually survive inside a fish for an extended period of time, like three days, kind of like this Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, urban legend, Jonah fish story for church kids. And I just want to say this, I'll go on record to say this. The question this story begs us to ask is not, is it scientifically possible for a man to survive in the belly of a fish for three days? That is not the right question. The right question is, do you believe in miracles? The right question is, do you believe in a God who was so great that he could even orchestrate a fish to swallow a man whole and then keep him alive inside of that fish for three days? Because that is the point of this story. Is your God this big? That's the question. In fact, if this story sounds crazy, nuts, impossible, illogical, and unbelievable to you, it's supposed to. That's what the author's doing here. This this story is supposed to demonstrate the fact that our God is so big, he's so great and powerful and majestic that even the laws of physics don't apply to him. That he can do all things, that he can do things outside of our reality and our realm of possibility. He's just that big. Let me say it to you this way. If a man surviving in the belly of a fish underwater for three days is scientifically possible, then this story is not nearly as gadol as God intends for it to be. You see, this story is designed to stretch you and push you. This story wants to challenge you to believe in a God who is so great that he can do anything. 
And that's lesson number two. When your life gets off track, remember that God is great enough to get it back on. When your life gets off track, remember that God is great enough to get it back on. Some of you here in this room have a life that has been derailed. Some of you are off track in your world right now, and the thing that's derailed you is so much bigger and stronger and more powerful than you are. And some of you in here, you've been fighting, you've been wrestling, you've been struggling for a long time to turn things around, but the truth is this, you can't. The thing you're battling, the thing you're fighting, the thing you're facing, it's bigger than you, it's stronger than you, it is so much more gadol than you that you have no chance. The story of Jonah, friends, wants to show us very clearly that God is the one who truly has the power to turn things around in our lives, even when we can't do it on our own. And finally, friends, finally, I think Jonah is getting that message. Here's Kahoot question number two. What does Jonah do inside the fish? What does Jonah do inside the fish? Keep your answers to yourself. Does he try to escape? Does he sleep? Does he pout? Or does he pray? This is perhaps the easiest coot question of all time. If you miss this one, I'm going to worry about you. Yes, 137 of you. I'm very proud of you. He prays. He prays. And for the rest of you, God can save anyone. Right? Okay. Here's what it says in Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, and listen to these words, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Now, as I read these verses, we need to understand that the Jews were extremely scared of the ocean. They were not a sea kind of traveling people. They were an inland people. The ocean and large bodies of water were very intimidating for them. For them, death by drowning was the worst way to die. In fact, their enemies would threaten them this way to scare them because they were deathly afraid of drowning. Anyone here have a fear of drowning? Yeah? When I was a kid, I had this fear of drowning and not just just drowning. It was a very specific fear. I had this fear that... I would be trapped in a car, and the car would drive off of a bridge into water, and I'd be trapped in the car as it sank, and that's how I would drown. So I was so scared of this that when I was a kid, and we were going over a bridge of any length, I would roll down my window and sort of plan my escape ahead of time, just in case my dad lost control and we went off. You know, I could swim out the window. Um, Just a fear, but here's the idea. The point of this passage is to say, Jonah is now experiencing his worst fear. The Jewish people, the readers of this story would think, this is as bad as it can get. 
He's in the depths of the sea. He's banished from God's sight. He's surrounded by the deep. Seaweed is wrapped around his head. It does not get more claustrophobic than that. Friends, Jonah in this moment has hit rock bottom. Kahoot question number three. What is God teaching Jonah while he's in the belly of the whale? What is God teaching Jonah while he is in the belly of the whale? That Jonah cannot save himself, that orcas are not friendly, that the ocean is really deep, or that God's way rules. Make your selection. There's a lot on the line. Four, three, two, one. Survey says, yes, Jonah cannot save himself. That is the lesson. Listen to the imagery. Listen to what he says here. He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. You see, throughout this story, Jonah has been going down. He goes down, and he goes down a little more, and he keeps going farther and farther and farther down. First he goes down to Joppa, then he goes down below deck on the ship, and then he goes down into the water, and finally here he goes as deep as Jewish word pictures can physically take you. Listen to this. To the roots of the mountains he sinks down. Do you know how deep roots go? Especially imagine the, like, the roots of a giant tree. Picture like an enormous Douglas fir, right? And how deep those roots must go. <laughs> Now, God bless you, and now, that's so deep that you're sneezing, oh my gosh, yeah, and now imagine this, so you picture that tree with enormous roots going way down deep, now imagine this, imagine if mountains had roots, how deep would they go? The imagery here is that Jonah has finally realized that he is in a deep, dark, abandoned place, that he is so far down that he's helpless that he's hopeless, that he is utterly unable to save himself. The earth beneath barred me in forever. How hopeless and final and powerless does that sound? But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. You see, here's the moment. Here's the moment when Jonah finally figures out that he needs to turn back to the Lord. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What's he saying there? He's saying when, you, when your life is based on, when your life is all about something other than the Lord, you miss things. It leads to destruction and tragedy and disappointment. But, he says, I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And that's really important there. What I have vowed, I will make good. What has Jonah vowed? He's vowed to be a prophet. He's vowed to be a person who will speak grace and truth and take God's message wherever God calls him to go. And what's he doing He's running away from what he's vowed. He's refusing to do what he's vowed. And in this moment, he finally says, yes, Lord, now I'll turn around. Now I'll repent. Now I'll go and do whatever you want me to do, even if I don't want to do it. 
what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. You see, Jonah finally figures out that God has the power to save, and that's lesson number three. When your life gets off track, never forget that God has the power to save anyone. When your life gets off track, never forget that God has the power to save anyone. Because that is a theme that runs throughout this story. It's a major theme for the entire book of Jonah. God is so great that he can save anyone. No one is too far off track for God. Not you, not your kid, not your spouse, not your friends, not your tyrannical boss at work. No one is beyond the reach of our Lord. In chapter one, God saves a group of pagan sailors. In chapter three, this is next week, salvation is gonna come to one of the most evil empires in all of history. God will even reach them. God has the power to save anyone. But today, right here in chapter two, salvation comes to Jonah. Jonah is saved. He's saved from the most dark, deep, impossible situation he can imagine. This self-defiant, self-reliant, runaway prophet who turns his back on God. And so let me just say this to you this morning, if you're here and you're on a path that's moving away from the Lord. If you find yourself following a dream that's not God's dream, if you have found yourself running in a direction that's not God's direction, if you are a person devoted to something far less great than the Lord, remember this truth. Remember that God can save anyone and do what Jonah does. Pray. That's lesson number four. When your life gets off track, start talking and listening to God again. When your life gets off track, start listening and talking to God again. And I get it, maybe that's hard because you're prideful and you're embarrassed because this circumstance that you're in, this situation you find yourself in, it's your own doing. Well, that's okay. He already knows that. Pray. Maybe, maybe you know better and you've actually intentionally not been living the kind of life you think God wants you to live. You did this on purpose. You chose this path. That's okay. He already knows that. Pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you're hesitant because if you're really honest, the truth is right now, even if you were to pray, your motives are kind of mixed and you're really more selfishly concerned about your own well-being than you are about God's will. Even your prayer would not be pure. That's okay. He already knows that. Pray. Because here's the thing, friends. There's something about prayer that God uses to change our hearts and to correct our thinking and to even begin to shift our motives. And Jonah learns this. Jonah learns that God hears the prayers of his people even from the darkest, deepest, most destructive places in life. He even hears them there. When your life is off track, start talking and listening to God again. All right, final Kahoot question today. What happens next with Jonah? 
What happens next with Jonah? The fish pukes up Jonah onto the shore. He climbs out of the fish's gill. The sailors capture the fish and free Jonah. Jonah discovers there's poor Wi-Fi inside a fish. Which one do you think it is? Man, I can see the wheels turning out there. Oh, yep, you're right. Good job. Man, this is a smart crew. The fish pukes up Jonah onto the shore. Here it is, verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish. That's that word again. Who's in charge of this whole thing? And the Lord commissioned the fish. The Lord's calling the shots. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. If we were to divide this sermon into three sections, I might just choose three P words. God provides, Jonah prays, fish pukes. And the great thing about this closing verse is that it's kid-friendly services and the word vomit is right in the Bible. It's like, it's like a layup for me, really. I've got the fourth grade boys right in the palm of my hands. We're talking about vomit today, kids. And here's the point. And this is kind of a silly way of saying it, and yet this truth is the exact truth that so many of you need to hear this morning. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to say it to you. When your life gets off track, remember, God will even use people whose lives really stink. I mean, seriously, think about this moment. Just imagine this moment. Imagine Jonah right now, lying on the beach, all covered in sand, covered in fish vomit, chunks of other stuff like stuck to his clothes. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't even handle the puke of my own kids, right? Like my kids puke and I'm like, Amy, you got that. It's all you, right? Let alone fish puke. I mean, no way. This is nasty. Imagine how he smelled. Some of you today, you need to hear this. God has plans for you. No, and that's not really even the full of it. God still has plans for you. God still has plans for you. He wants to use you. And he knows all about your sin. He knows all about your junk. He sees more clearly than you do just how really messy and messed up your life is. He knows about all of it, and he still wants to use you. Sure, there's things that he wants to fix and correct and get back on track, but never forget that he wants to use you for his plans and purposes in this world, no matter who you are, no matter where you are in life. And that, my friends, is what Jonah will soon discover, that God still has plans for this pukey prophet. And that's what we'll read about next week. But today... Today we're going to share a meal together. And as I thought about communion this week, it it really struck me that this is a meal for people who tend to be and who are off track. In fact, I imagine Jesus saying to us right here at Cedar Mill Bible Church, church, when you get off track, when you find yourself on the wrong path, when you've forgotten not only who you are, but whose you are. Come to the table and remember that you are a child of a God who loves you so much that he sent his son 
to pay the price for your sin and die for you and raise a new life that you might be renewed and restored and redeemed. When you get off track, use this meal to get back on. You see, communion is this meal. We share it every week. And it's a moment where we can physically, together as a community, make this declaration. Yes, I don't always stay on track. Yes, sometimes I get off God's plan for my life. But I am going to go back to God's amazing love and grace and ask him to pull me back onto the path that he has for my life. Back into living for him. So this morning, friends, let the love and grace of God remind you not just who you are, but whose you are. And may that amazing love begin to change and transform your life and move you and shift you back to living the life that God wants you to live. In just a minute, the tables are gonna be open, the worship team's gonna come, and you can come down and you can take the bread and you can take the cup and you can go back to your seat. When you're ready, you can just receive them and make this declaration. I again declare that my salvation, that my life is wrapped up not in who, in what I do or in anything that I've earned, but in what God has done for me and how much he loves me and how much he's demonstrated that for me through his son. You can make that declaration, but before you come, think for a minute about a place where your life is off track. Maybe just a degree, maybe just a touch, maybe way off track, but I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit has been highlighting something in your mind and heart today, a place where you know, where God's been saying to you, Let's get back on track here. I want you to think about that place for a bit. I want you to talk to the Lord about it, and then you bring that to this table, and you ask this meal and the truth that it represents to help lead your heart and your mind and your life back in the direction that God wants you to go, and we're going to do that together today. It's going to be a great declaration of who our God is and who we are in him. So I'll pray, and then when you're ready, the tables will be open. Father, this morning we thank you for... I thank you for your word, Lord. I just, I love it. I love how fun it is, how creative it is, how funny it is. And I love how it, it draws me in and then it always seems to sneak up on me from behind and challenge me and correct me and rebuke me and change me. Thank you for doing that, Lord. Thank you that your spirit is still active and that you're still in the business of of calling people to yourself, calling people to surrender to you, calling us to giving more of our lives and priorities to you, Jesus. And Spirit, I ask God today that you would do that, that you would continue to move our church, correct us back so that we are exactly on the path that you have for us as a community. And then, Lord, for people in this room who are thinking about a place, thinking about an area or a spot in their life where they're off track, Lord, that you would... Remind them how much you love them in spite of that and then use that love to pull them back to you, God. That today would be a great turning point for many. That you would use it, Lord, to get us back on the path that you have for us. So thanks for being a great, good, wonderful, heavenly Father. We love you and we thank you and we pray everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.